Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world, everything's remote. And this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together, right? When you're starting something new from scratch, being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it. And when we're all remote, you don't really get the same thing. Well, what if I told you there's a way to get that same output, right? Get that same feeling while being remote. And luckily there is. Uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for Forward Thinking Founders is Sidekick. And Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely. And you're able to move faster and, and, and kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of Forward Thinking Founders, you get a big discount on on Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device. $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices, and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Himank Yadev, who is the founder of Reploy. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going well, going well. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on and learn more about what you're working on. For people that don't know what Reploy is, what is it? What are you working on? Yeah, Reploy makes it dead simple to generate instant staging environments. These are test environments that you can bring up on every commit, every pull request, or sort of a feature change. And you can have it share with everyone else on your team, whether it's a designer, PM, salesperson, QA, whoever needs to look at changes that you're making as an engineer. So for this, I want to hear, like before Reploy existed, before you started this company, what kind of were people doing? What's kind of like the status quo of this? And then uh, um, I just want to like dive into like more about how it works, who would use it, et cetera. So um, like, what was it like? And then uh, um, kind of we can go from there. Yeah. So before Reploy, what companies did was they had one fixed staging environment. And at smaller companies, this is a big broken problem. 
So typically the way it works is you have your production, which is where your users go. And companies typically just clone that and call that staging. That works fine if you have like three or five engineers or when your company is extremely small, because not a lot of people are working on the same feature or they're not working on the same things concurrently. But as your company starts to scale, that single staging environment starts to get clogged. As in developers are now blocked before they can make new changes to show other people because somebody else is using the staging environment to show their changes. And as companies grow, staging environments don't scale. So companies have to build some, some version in-house, which typically doesn't go well and is typically very expensive because no developer wants to actually work on that. Uh, and that is exactly where Reploy comes in by providing that as a service. It's cool because you're taking your core, you're taking a company's non-core competency and you're like, oh no, don't spend resources on that. Like we got you, which, it, which, which is awesome. Why did you decide to start Reploy? I guess in other words, what's the origin story for this company? Yeah. So in the past, I've worked at a large tech company. So I worked at Facebook where staging is a solved problem. So the moment a developer is done with their change, they push it and everyone else that needs to look at it has instant access. Developers aren't blocked on anything. And Facebook has an internal tooling team that takes care of this. I also worked at another tech unicorn and staging there, even with 400 employees is a big broken problem. They had a single staging environment, people were constantly blocked, and they often had to message the DevOps engineer or the DevOps person to push their commit or sort of move their changes faster. And that started to become a big bottleneck. And so they were trying to look at solutions, nothing really like Reploy existed. So they ended up building a smaller in-house version, which wasn't very good either. And so nobody was happy with the way it was going. And I feel like this is one of these things, and I could be very wrong, um, but it's when someone hears about it, oh, wow, well, like, like it's, I feel like it, ha- it almost has like an easy sell because like there's not that many solutions like this on the market. I kind of want to hear you, again, how do you get the word out to, to startups about this? And kind of like, what's distribution like? Is it like, oh my gosh, give this, like, like is it flying off the shelves? Or I guess, how, does, how is that working for you? Yeah, yeah. So the way we do distribution is straight up, bottoms up, developer first. So it's plug and play for developers. Think about another tool like Stripe or Sentry or any of these things where a developer can set it up in 15 to 20 minutes, get going, and then never have to think about it again. Um, Unlike other tooling, which is typically top down or sold to like big IT divisions within companies or sort, sort, sort of like to DevOps teams within companies, that becomes a much harder sell and you cannot get to companies early enough. You typically have to wait until companies have a DevOps team that can then set up a build pipeline or set up sort of staging environments, which starts to become an issue. And so with distribution for Reploy, we go bottoms up. A developer can do it in 15 minutes. And so far, the way we've been thinking about acquisition is we have found an interesting customer segment somewhere between five to 50 engineering mark where this starts to become a real problem. And we can step in today and improve your processes by five, 10x. Um, and the other way to do this is we just get a lot of word of mouth from developers. A happy developer tells 10 others. It's like when I uh, was in college, I was like starting my first company. I 
I was looking for my first developer. I was like very early stage founder, like didn't know much. And I was like, oh, where can I find a developer to build my thing? And I got this advice. If you want to find one, if you want to find a team of developers, all you got to do is find one and they'll, they'll show you the way. And it was true. It was true. Yeah. Yeah. But actually to build on that, developers are very, very fickle minded, right? So if they try something and they don't like it, you still have to bear the consequences. It's like one ha- unhappy developer tells like 10 other developers too. Uh, and so it's very important to get the product right such that it's very developer friendly and people do actually enjoy using it and it, it straight up solves the problem that they're trying to address. How do you um, kind of find the balance between like, no, knowing developers are like that? Like if they like something great, if they don't like something like not great, um, I'm sure you probably get a lot of feature requests like from developers, from users saying, build this, build this. I'm sure you do some of them, some of them you don't. How do you balance the, the, your vision for Reploy and all the directions you're being pulled in by developers and the feature requests that they have? Yeah, that's a great question. And something I think about actively sort of on, on a daily basis. I have a quick example here. I was talking to one of the co-founders of Twitch about this. Uh, on how to balance feature requests versus what to build. And what they said is, even 10 years later, now that Twitch is such a big thing as compared to when they had just started, the two most requested things that streamers want are the, are the live chat and the video. So even in 10 years, those are still the two most important things. And so I think coming back to Replay, it's important to find sort of the two things that people actually use Replay for and make them extraordinary. Um, and for us, those two things are being able to easily set up your staging environment and having stable environments that you can then share around. There are a few bells and whistles we add around making that process easier, sort of making it look great, making that experience feel much better, but those are still the two driving tenants of what we're trying to do. And if you had to look at your day as objectively as you can as a, as a founder, um, what, where would you say you're spending your time? Is it mostly developer relationships? Are you, are you shipping code most of the day? I guess if you had to describe what's an average day in the life of the founder of Reploy. Yeah. I, again, that's this is a very typical answer that you would that you'd hear from any founder. It's like there is no average founder day. It really varies as to what's going on. Uh, I think initially it was focused on development and then transitioned on to talking to people, selling. Um, and then now I think a lot of it is sort of customer feedback, understanding what's working, what's not working. Um, and then just constant iteration on what can be done better, what can be done differently. Uh, we've actually found a few things that didn't go as expected, or there are a lot of times when I'm building something with an expectation in mind in terms of what the potential use for that would look like. And more often than not, that's, that's typically wrong. So I think focusing on or thinking about all of these things and it varies as to where uh, we are in sort of the life cycle. And since you target developers as customers, it's a, tech, it's a technical product, um, and you kind of use the bottom-up bottom approach, what have you learned about that approach since you, since you started this? Is there tips that you've learned or hard lessons that you've had to come across in order to understand how to sell to developers bottom-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is a saying, but I don't think you can straight up just sell to developers. Like they have to buy it in themselves, right? This is unlike what you would see in a marketing tool, a sales tool, or sort of uh, business automation tools. 
when you're selling to developers, you sort of just address the problem that they're facing. And then it's completely up to them in terms of what adoption looks like, whether it actually works for them. But the thing that you do have to take care of is making sure that it's extremely easy to get onboarded and started. Because the other thing that developers really, really lack is the time and the mental ability to try your tool. So let's kind of look out into the future. You got all the developer orgs in the world that are, that are using this, right? You, you, it, it, beca- it grows and um, it, it becomes a big company. Um, what would you say Rafoy could look like then? Or I guess, in other words, what's your big vision for Rafoy and what direction are you rowing in? Yeah, I think in terms of thinking broadly about software, I would say we're just getting started. Staging itself is such a big broken problem across so many companies, but I think it's, it's still a starting point. Down the line, where we do want to be is a platform for your entire development stack. And that involves things such as local development too. There is no reason development, local development should happen in your machine. Right? Like local host doesn't have to be local anymore. And it's not at these large tech companies which have thought through this. And the idea is to bring sort of the entire development stack away from your machine and make it instant, make it shareable, and something that developers don't have to think about on a daily basis. And to, to make that happen, like you'll need some help, right? Like you'll need tons of developer teams um, you know, on, on, on the platform. You'll need employees, maybe investors if you, if you want to raise money. But what you'll definitely need help from, I guarantee it, is the forward-thinking founders community. And luckily, there's a lot of technical founders and developers that listen to this, which is great. How can the forward-thinking founders community help you? Are you hiring? Are you looking for customers, fundraising, looking for BD partnerships? In what way can listeners assist? Absolutely. Yeah, we are hiring. Um, if you are interested in being a part of Reploy, feel free to reach out at hello at getreploy.com. But for most other folks that are not interested in being a part of Reploy itself, what you can help out with is actually trying Reploy and giving us feedback. So if you have staging environments that don't currently work, that currently suck, or if you just want a better alternative, head on to getreploy.com. It should take you about 15 minutes to onboard for most web stacks and give us a shot. And if someone wanted to find you online, uh, you know, on, uh, uh, you know, the internet, on social media, uh, other ways, how can, how can they get in touch? You said getreploy.com. Is there any other places they can find you online? Yeah, we do have a small Twitter presence at reployenv. And if you ever want to get in touch personally with me, uh, I'm at himonk at getreploy.com. So shoot across an email. All right. Well, Hamonk, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I wish you best of luck with Repoy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community. It's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City. And in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast. For example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air Garage. Um, Additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We have Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School coming in. And these are people that you can talk with, right? You can ask them questions. These are AMAs. Additionally, you're 
able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs, and this is all only for $7 a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potential investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right, see you tomorrow.